It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to part two of the impeachment of Andrew Johnson here on American Loser. We are live in studio, as always, at a shared universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. Is that right, Dad? Eatontown, New Jersey, none other. I hear you. And with us is the big kahuna who uh, brutally and abruptly kicked us out last week. Um, Listen, I've seen you spreading these rumors online. <laughs> you don't think I'm catching it because you don't think I follow all the American Loser shit. Let me tell you, that is not true. That is... That is, uh, as we I'm were blanking exiting. on the word right now, but it's not cool because I did not mean to kick you out. They came early. I did not it know so how funny. hot they were. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to have a, a vehement denial of your professionalism. You're like, had I known how hot they were, they would have been in here 15 minutes earlier. Bro, exactly. <laughs> like, like, come on. <laughs> I didn't kick you out. Ming was texting me like, yo, uh, they're here. And I was like, uh, I don't want to make them wait long. Last person I did that to got really mad at me. Oh, fuck. Uh, KP, we got to go. No worries. I'm sorry. No, we, I we, do we feel in, bad about it. We called in the audible and we made it work. And it, um Plus, you guys are good to us here, so uh, you know we always try to take care. Now, one question for Ming, though, is I tried looking for that podcast afterwards because it was three very attractive young ladies. Dad. Is that fair right, to say, absolutely. objectively speaking? Absolutely. <laughs> when we were exiting and we saw what was waiting in the hallway uh, for the next uh, podcast, yeah. well, Kahuna had good reason. <laughs> they to, literally to, left. To, KP to texted me. He, KP texted me. He was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for – and then it was three good-looking girls who walked in with um, booze. They were all carrying booze and uh, they came in here Rose. and then uh, – Kahuna, I couldn't find an episode afterwards. Are you sure you weren't just having one of your sexy parties in here? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but Listen, man. Not for nothing. I love doing it here at the studio. It's so much more fun to do a podcast here at the studio because we were trying to do this at home. Because people have asked me, they said, why do you drive down to Eatontown? Which we will get to. We have someone got to talk to the, the listeners too about. But um, people ask me, they say, why don't you do this? Like, Why don't you have like a home studio or something? Why don't you – just spend the money, get the equipment, do it yourself. It's fun bringing people to a studio, man. There's a fun vibe going on here. We would never have a kahuna if we were doing the show by ourselves. Absolutely. So. For better or worse. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the edits would be terrible. I wouldn't know what I was doing. I'd just be putting it out and just be like, oh, to hell with it. Whatever. There's people, if they want to listen, they'll listen. So. <laughs> but here we are. We're going to do a quick, quick recap if we can. Uh, this is part two of the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. We're doing something timely here. This is not a political show, Okay. What we do on the show is we talk about the biggest losers in American history, and we found such a doozy of a loser <laughs> yeah. in Andrew Johnson that it's going to take two full episodes in order to get to yeah, he's a To bench. be fair, it was weird. In part one, you didn't build him up as much of a loser. I'm expecting a roller coaster of an escalade oh, down. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the higher the stakes, the greater the fall, I believe. is. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Right. Now, Pete, brief- he's a benchmark and loser to him. Um, but yeah, old Andy uh, had a, a checkered, checkered past or checkered beginning, and now we're rolling into. Uh, I think. Well, go ahead, Cap. You should recap this. Brief recap, uh, yeah. Brief recap as to what we came up to uh, last episode. So uh, there's a president Taylor, and then there's a Taylor who became president. That's how I'm looking at it. Okay. Uh, Andy Johnson was born in a two room shack. Okay, two room shack in Raleigh, North Carolina. Never really considered himself a North Carolina guy. He fell in love with Tennessee and uh, he was actually working. He was representing Tennessee. He worked as a tailor. Okay. He actually ran away from his apprenticeship. And um, Yeah, he was apprenticed to a tailor shop at the age of 10. So he had a hard scrabble uh, beginnings for sure. Oh, it sure. wasn't easy. Yeah, he was not doing much Uneducated, yeah. no schooling. Uh, age 10, all right, go out and earn a living by uh, being apprenticed to a uh, No education. No education. Times no was tough learning. back then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so in order to recap him, that's kind of what you have to focus on. That's his early life is really tough. When he gets into politics, this guy is – Largely self-taught. Now, his wife, Eliza, who he stays with his whole entire life and just was kind of the um, – that was the center of his universe. You know what I mean? Um, 
she actually helps him to learn math and reading and writing and all that stuff. And he was already a strong public speaker. So he's now parlayed that from an apprenticeship as a tailor down in Tennessee. Oh, he had to actually run away from his apprenticeship in North Carolina to now becoming governor of Tennessee. Okay, he's got a little time in Congress first and foremost. Um, gets he thinks his political career is over. Then he winds up getting uh, made into the governor of Tennessee. Oh, well, not quite over yet. Yeah, yeah. So pretty solid career yeah. on that one. Now he gets but himself. But the political scene a- across the nation uh, is certainly in turmoil too. I mean, there's a lot of things. Oh, driving, it's wild. Driving a nation. Yeah. yeah. Now. The coolest thing about Johnson is that as he's able to get through – because like we said, the hot topic of the day uh, is slavery and abolition. Okay, After that, it would become like bimetallism. Before that, it was Federalists versus uh, you know Democrats. Also. So there's always a divide in the country. There's always a political issue to be solved. But this divide is large enough to actually start a civil war. So. Erupting. <laughs> yeah. So, now, at the start of that very same civil war uh, – Senator Andrew Johnson is a member of uh, the Senate at this point. Right, Senator from Tennessee, Mr. Andrew Johnson. And he's the only, and the rock means only, senator from a seceding state, okay, that joins the Confederacy to remain loyal to the United States of America. Now that's how you get in the good graces. Yeah, and I guess who's president around this time? Our boy Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And his vice president was who? Do you remember Kahuna? Ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> he, he, he has such a great pro wrestler named Hannibal Hamlin. Hannibal Hamlin. <laughs> right. Let me tell you something, brother. Will you come down the vice president? <laughs> yeah, so, old Hannibal was from the, the illustrious state of Maine. I do pledge to be the new president of the United States in the interim <laughs> since our president was shot. Un- uh, which is wild because he, if you remember, he was the first running mate of Lincoln. Now, at the completion of the first term, yeah, Hannibal Hamlin. Let's, let's Hannibal Hamlin was going to be there. he was going to be out because uh, he was he was pretty good at his job. He was a well liked guy, right? But a vice president from Maine was going to do nothing for the healing of the nation when they're already considering Lincoln a northerner. Yeah, well, now for Lincoln's second um, election, right, his second presidential election, uh, they actually changed the party that. Lincoln ran in, in the first election in 1860 as a Republican. Very newly formed party. Very newly formed party. And one of the reasons he was able to um, win the presidency was all the other political parties were so f- fractured and, and splintered that uh, they really couldn't g- gain a base. It was like, I don't know, four or five different presidential uh, candidates that year. And Lincoln uh, eked it out. Subversive from within, they would call that. Right, so. right. And then, but now in the in the second election, you know, I, I think modern day times we look at Lincoln. Oh yeah, he's one of the one of the greatest presidents we ever had. His his face is up on Mount Rushmore and everything else. But in 1864, for his second election, things weren't going real well for the Union, and it wasn't until we had a couple of Union victories during the Civil War that Lincoln started to gain a little more political clout. I mean, it was it was touch and go there for his first uh, his first four years, but now he wants to um, run for re-election and it was looked upon that if you had a a northern vice president and Lincoln himself now it's it's coming back to uh, politically it's a it's a civil war within there the north versus the south that he needs to gain a new different vice president that might have a little more of the uh, Southern Democratic votes, at least from the from the Southern Democrats who were still voting um, within the within the Union and didn't form their own country with, True. The, with the Confederacy. Well, now, not for nothing, I, I posted up on Facebook for people who are following me on there. But have you heard of this uh, sex move called the Abe Lincoln dead? <laughs> no, have you heard of it? Kahuna already knows it. Yeah, so that catch me here's up sec- on it. Now, I thought, I thought that the sex course, move was known as the- my wild sex parties here. Come the, on, man. <laughs> Why do you think I kicked you out? I think uh, in my mind, what I thought when I heard that there was a sex move called the Abe Lincoln, I thought that was the use of the federal government to reluctantly usurp states' rights in an effort to hold the union together. Yeah, okay. I Googled it. I'm wrong. <laughs> okay, I won't say what it is, but I'm wrong. Okay. You're very wrong. So, <laughs> but- uh, as I'm you kind of made mention to is that uh, it is right because um, Lincoln is now uh, successfully reelected because he chose Andrew Johnson, who immediately he was a fan of the guy. The guy was the military governor of Tennessee. His life's on the line. He is a true blue American. Okay, he believes in the Constitution. He is Captain America South. Right. Okay? Well, he felt. Uh, I think he personally he felt that we're better able to bring about um, change from within rather than splitting off and forming. Right. A, and it's not necessarily 
not necessarily just a, a good guy thing here either, too, because he also did have a line when he was mentioning to a Mississippi senator by the name of Jefferson Davis, <laughs> right. who would go on to be the president of the Confederacy. He said, hey, don't leave Senate, man. We can we can just smack around Lincoln here on our own time. We're going to be good to go. So he wants to keep him going with all that. So um, that brings us to him being made the vice president now of uh, the you know United States, if you will. So uh, Lincoln uses him as his new VP for uh, everything. He's good to go. And uh, they're kind of having this meeting. They're talking a little bit here. Now, Lincoln's going to be super soft on the South. There was that 10 percent plan, remember? Yeah, uh, Lincoln came up with a 10 percent plan uh, prior. I mean, the, back when Lincoln uh, had the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, part of that was this 10 percent plan. So as various Confederate states came back under union control, at least military control. If we took 10, if 10% of the voting population from the 1860 census or voting polls, <laughs> right, pledged themselves to um, realign themselves with the, with the union, they, they would have uh, a little more political freedom to uh, come back into the, into the union. So he's going to be um, soft. Now, Johnson's not into this. No, he's Johnson's not, like, not be hard. All. These guys are traitors, right. Mr. President. These are traitors. And I'm not going to – I don't know why I'm making him Alex Jones, but I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something about freedom. Um, I mean you've been hyping him up in a certain Alex Jones way. Like I, I'm, I'm expecting a downfall upon downfalls. Um, Alex Jones isn't the accurate one for this because there, there is such a, a weird um, a weird fall from grace, if you will, because uh, here's where it gets wacky real quick. Johnson now is uh, the vice president, and uh, he's kind of a reliable guy until he decides that he's going to uh, show up drunk for his uh, swearing in as the vice right. president. Maybe sworn in as the vice president, he's he's hammered. He's a little tuned up uh, to the point of where he's actually so drunk that uh, he's rambling incoherently during his speech, and Lincoln's like, "Oh boy, all right." Now the guy swearing him in, as we said, Hannibal Hamlin is like, "Really, Lincoln? This is the best. This right. is the, the better former, option." The former vice president. Now did Han Hannibal retired from just the vice presidency seat, or did he just feel like no? It was it was a new ticket, so he had to serve the duration of his office, but. Uh, with the understanding that if Lincoln was to the, – the, the partnership was going to come to a, a planned end. If OK. So we should look into him for another possible episode of uh, Loser for what he does after that because he's Yeah, because he was a good guy. guy. He, yeah. he, he performed his uh, – he served his duties well. Well, he had to swear in the, his drunk replacement. Right. I mean, Kahuna, if we if we hired a bum off the street to replace you, wouldn't you sit there and be like, um, come on, guys, really? It's <laughs> – <laughs> uh, Andy Johnson was supposed to give like a five-minute speech after his swearing in, but he was so hammered. He went rambling and back and forth uh, for like 15 minutes and slurring his speeches, had to stop and ask the, the audience, uh, who's the secretary Four of the score. Navy again? <laughs> Four <laughs> scoring <laughs> 10 beers ago. <laughs> Here you go. And there's this guy. You love this guy, right? This guy, great guy, man. This guy is going to be great, except he really needs to get rid of the Friggin' top hat. <laughs> Who still wears them shits? I don't know. Like, where's the rest of his beard? You know, it's like it just stops at the chin. It makes no sense. <laughs> to be honest with you, man, I really thought your head just extended all the way to the top of the top hat. I'm kind of surprised head. there's some stuff in there. He's really a conehead in a stovepipe yeah. hat. Covered <laughs> up the cone head. That makes sense. Abe Lincoln was an alien. He might as well have been. Um, he didn't get assassinated. He just went back home. That's believable, too. Um, not for nothing here. Now, Abe Lincoln is uh, sworn in successfully for his second term. Uh, and he doesn't speak to Johnson for a little while. Johnson kind of goes into hiding. Johnson yeah, and him have a yeah, they have a meet because I, I want to do too much. I want to reward the loyal listeners here. Okay, and start moving forward. But uh, important little note here: he has a meeting with Johnson face to face, and the two of them have their meeting, and uh, they decide that they're not going to be too soft on the Confederacy here. But also, Lincoln wants to heal the nation. Now that night. As they walk away, uh, he decides, well, you know what, I'm got to take the wife out. All right, I've been campaigning hard, been preserving the union here. Time to take the wife out for a night on the town. Chooses Ford's Theater. John Wilkes Booth makes sure that that's the last thing President Lincoln does. Now, here's the part we did not get a chance to uh, talk about because we ended it on the death of Lincoln being the swearing in and becoming the 17th president of the United States for this week's American loser, Andrew Johnson. However – that plot had a couple more targets than just Abe Lincoln, didn't it? Yeah, Booth Booth was to kill uh, Lincoln, but he, that wasn't the only – that was a whole plot, as you said, that there was a number of uh, assassins or would-be assassins. To, they were going to take out uh, the upper 
echelon of the uh, of the executive branch. Well, they plan to kill Seward, who was, I believe, the Secretary of State. Right. And then they also plan to kill uh, Andrew Johnson himself. Right. The VP was now a target, right. too. Because if you remember, the plot was John Wilkes Booth was trying to get rid of the, the loyalist Yankees and all that other shit, that he was a Confederate sympathizer. Now, his whole thing, too, was that he was just part of this uh, big conspiracy, if you will. But as we're going to talk about now, guys, the conspiracy that kills Lincoln is a part of a larger plot here. Seward and Johnson were supposed to be killed in the same day. Johnson's assassin, or his would-be assassin, I should say, was a German immigrant named George Atzerott. Atzerott, is that how we're going to say that? Atzerott. Atzerott, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, depending on who you're talking to, Atzerott either lost his nerve to kill Johnson or just got too drunk and forgot about it instead. Um, he wound up being hanged for his involvement. Okay. We will do a larger episode on the, the, the whack jobs of that conspiracy. <laughs> right. But Johnson gets sworn in as president and immediately oversees the funeral arrangements for Lincoln. Okay. One of his first acts as president was to reject an armistice proposal proposed by William Tecumseh Sherman, William T. Sherman, all right, guy who's doing a little thing called the scorched earth policy to end the war rapidly, burning the South. He burns Atlanta to the ground. Yeah, at this point now, too, um, we're only a couple months, I guess a couple of months, no more than uh, when um, Grant uh, accepted the surrender of, of Lee at Appomattox. Correct. So that's but the Army that of was, Northern Virginia. That was the Army of Northern Virginia, which was only one of the Confederate armies. But there was a number of other uh, situations, other armies that still had not yet surrendered. And um, William T. Uh, Sherman there is after one of the other boys down a little further south in the Carolinas. I think it was Johnston was that, right. the guy that was still – he was the big swinging dick of the Confederacy still at that point. But um, – Anyway, uh, now Sherman actually agrees to this armistice with – yeah, it was Joe Johnson's troops over in North Carolina, so right. Johnson's hometown or his home state, if you will. Part of the agreement would keep the current Confederates in power and maintain private property laws, also known as slaves. Right. Oh, we just want you to respect our property. What if it's a human? Uh, <laughs> Still counts. Yeah, and uh, the Confederates who are now uh, usurpers, if you will, or, or traitors from within the government who have launched their own country within a country – they want to you know, remain in power. That's not going to work, man. You can't do that shit. Yeah, but that's where Andy Johnson really starts to get um, really in a gray area because he was a slave owner himself prior to the Civil Correct. War. Correct, but he also admitted that slavery was – the uh, abolition was the way to go. Yeah, but again – Reluctantly. Yeah, reluctantly. You could look at that and say, well, he's going to go with – um, what he thinks is going to keep him in, in power, if you will, that maybe we can change that whole slave issue uh, a little further down the road. Well, um, so he rejects this policy to Sherman and orders Sherman, uh, Sherman to continue to uh, march on the south, if you will, and uh, secure a final surrender. Sherman, by the way, burns majority of the south, burns Atlanta, spares Savannah, Georgia. That's how lovely it is when you walk around Savannah. It's like, I couldn't do anything bad to this town. It's, it's beautiful. So weird. I've heard nothing but good things about Savannah, Georgia. It is uh it is a fun town. It's even more fun if you're drinking. All right. <laughs> I went on a haunted pub crawl down there that was one of the best weekends of my life. Okay. And uh it was it, it the story gets wild as it goes, but I also used to do comedy in there and uh, it was funny because uh I think it was the Bay Street Theater. Was and it was a, it was a drag show, followed the comedy show, and there was only <laughs> one green room. <laughs> so it's just me sitting there with a lot, you know. Hello, ladies. <laughs> a lot of tape, huh? A lot of tape. Okay. No, that's 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 funny because I my also I have a story of a friend who was in Savannah, Georgia at the time. It's also a drinking story. He was hanging out with some buddies because he went to SVA, and they were filming the new SpongeBob movie down there. So then all of a sudden, my friend comes out of a bar pissed drunk, and he sees a rolling pirate ship just fly down the street with no context and just started dying laughing. Yeah, Savannah's wild. You have to go. If you haven't been, you have to go. Dad, you've been, right? Uh, no, we were in Charleston, but not Yeah, Savannah. you guys, so I, I try to tell these the guys next, what to do. The next trip. They're just like, no, we're going to go to uh, Portland, Oregon instead. Um, okay. But... Anyway, here we are. So he rejects this uh, opportunity. He's trying to show everybody he's going to be hard on the South still, just like he said, just like his reputation is going to be. He also showed no mercy to his would-be assassins and to the other Lincoln conspirators. He ordered the execution of everyone involved, including Mary Surratt. Uh, now, we're a pro, we're a pro woman show here. Okay, we're uh, we're actually male feminists on the show, all three of us, and we want everyone at home to know that uh, 
it's important to celebrate the firsts, okay? There's the, you know, someday we're going to have the first woman president, but Mary Surratt, she is the first woman to be executed by the United States government. So if you ain't first, you're last, right, Kahuna? That's how that one works. <laughs> God. <laughs> we're very proud of you here, Mary. No, Mary gets put uh, to death. Um, she is the first woman executed by the American government. This now brings us deeply into the Reconstruction era. You know, she was executed because of uh – uh, suspicion that she was involved with the assassination of uh, Lincoln. And, and she was a witch. The attempted assassination of Johnson himself. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, you were involved with the guys that were trying to kill me. You're dying. It's hard to have sympathy for people like that, you know. Uh, this brings us deeply into what's known as the Reconstruction Era. This is a huge, huge – I was never fascinated by this because as a kid who was obsessed with history, this was the wait in between the history books, between the Civil War – and then the, uh, the World War One. There's a little Spanish-American war in there too, like you said, Dad. But as a kid, you're not really fascinated by Reconstruction. As an adult, you're talking about a country uh, that divorced from itself, and then you're making them live together again. Right. All right. That's that's right. a little intense here. On paper, it seems like Johnson's the perfect man for the job. He's a Southerner himself, but he's going to be tough on the South, so the North is feeling kind of good about this at first. There's a a moment in time when this could have worked out beautifully. We are still, to a degree, suffering from mistakes made during the Reconstruction era in this country. I think that's fair to say, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lincoln put into motion that thing he called the 10 percent plan like you talked about, Dad. Right. Um, now, the other crazy thing, though. Actually, Lincoln, just to back up on that a little bit, Lincoln had the 10 percent plan. But while Lincoln was still alive and in office, he pocket vetoes uh, a Wade Davis bill, which was something that the the radical Republicans would, which made it more difficult for the former Confederates to come back into the in, as voting members of the of the union. Kind right. Of thing. Um, so he pocket vetoes that. Um and now Andy Johnson is in there, and uh, he's he's making it extremely easy for some of the Southerners to come back, whether they were you know military men in the Confederacy or former representatives or whatever. Uh, but these radical Republicans are not having it, you know. And I think the 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 House is predominantly Republican, but they're there's, they're divisive within their own party right. now because now you right. have the radical Republicans. Uh, and then you also have there's the uh, the pro-war Democrats versus the anti-war Democrats. There's a lot of craziness going on. It's not – we're using modern terms in Democrat and Republican. They mean absolutely nothing. Back of, in the day. Exactly. Right. So um, – but anyhow, I wanted to just get to this real quickly. If you could swear this loyalty oath and 10 percent of the population would swear the uh, loyalty oath, you would be admitted back to the United States um, under Lincoln's original plan. Johnson and others in Congress felt this was a little bit too lenient. Congress, like I said, split on several issues. Republicans are now at odds with themselves. Remember the Democrats were the ones at odds with themselves pre-war? Mm-hmm. Well, now you've brought in this whole radical Republican party here. And the, the center of this whole dispute is the issue of black suffrage, which uh, Kahuna, you know what suffrage means, right? Mm-hmm. What's it mean, Kahuna? Uh, why you got to do that? To me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's early in the morning. We're teasing the poor boy. Yeah, no, and it's a Saturday morning too. Yeah. I mean, we got to take a little – Yeah, no, suffrage is uh, just the right to vote. That's what that means. But it's such a weird word that people never really associate because there's no um, there's no context clues for it. It's very weird. So there was a, a sketch they used to do on The Man Show and they would ask women, do you want to end women's suffrage? Because it sounds like the word suffering and women would be like, yeah, I'm totally in support of ending women's suffrage. You know? <laughs> and really, you know, so it was always funny that way. But um, that being said, uh, there's, uh, there's other questions that are being included here uh, that have to be kind of looked at. What should be done with this now free, largely poor and undereducated class of people known as the freedmen? So these people were slaves until the federal government decided slavery was illegal. Okay, and now they're enforcing that at gunpoint, essentially. Um, what are you going to do? Be free, damn it! Yeah, <laughs> right. This is the wildest thing. I read some testimonies of uh, of slaves at the time. Now, if you were how old are you, Kahuna? Twenty two. I'm twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. So um, you would sit there and you'd be like, "Wow, I got a whole new opportunity in front of me here. I wonder what adventures are in store." But now imagine someone who's in their sixties. Maybe with a couple years left in their life and they said, oh, shit, uh, what am I – there's no time to reinvent myself. What am I going to do? To go learn a trade? They wind up working as sharecroppers or going back to doing menial jobs that they did when they were slaves. So it was kind of a mixed bag. Obviously, it's the right thing to do. Let's just be clear on the – you get you end slavery. It's yeah. not hard. It don't own people kind of a thing. All right? yeah. But 
That being said, now, is it really the best move for everybody? There's a lot of people that are put at all of a sudden that they're off the plantation. There's no three hots in a cot anymore either. All right. It's like when you get out of the military. That's how I look at it. You're a free man again. And I think what a lot of people don't factor into this whole thing, the whole southern economy was based on slavery. And I'm not I'm not promoting slavery. <laughs> Let me be Let's just make it clear, right, right, okay? Right. So no one has to crystal, say it again. No one clear. here supports slavery right. except KP. <laughs> so I, I didn't say who should be enslaved though. <laughs> but uh, the southern economy, the, the southern lifestyle, everything is it's in complete shambles. There's nothing. The railroads are torn up. There's no uh, manufacturing. Um, um, all the uh, farming and everything else is, is – everything is completely in complete and total chaos. And now you have – you know these thousands upon thousands of, of freedmen now these these former slaves, but you know what are they going to do? Uh, they they really the only skill set that they have was farming the uh, farming the plantations. Do you remember that line in um, Braveheart? I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay. Uh, do you remember that line from Braveheart after the Battle of uh, Sterling? I yeah. believe that. Uh, He's got this victory. They're making him a knight now. Right. And, uh, the, all the nobles are sitting around. Hmm. Yes, he's winning a lot of battles. What are his politics? <laughs> right. That's essentially the question that these people are all asking now of this freed slave population. How are they going to vote? Well, it's very – like th- there's a whole weird thing too. The radical Republicans felt that if you give these freed slaves the right to vote, they will in turn vote for radical Republicans to hold office, which keeps them in power, which is the end result of all politics. But at the same time – It'll also make sure that the former Confederates aren't holding office. Yeah, well, the whole political scene is is also in turmoil because right. okay, it, it's chaos. This is you, the you, wild, wild you've got west. Thousands upon thousands of people who are now freedmen, but we haven't given them the right to vote yet. We still haven't figured that one quite out yet. There, yes, there's there's no longer slavery. There you go. But do they have the right to vote? No, not yet. And you've got this whole political turmoil going on that you have the war Democrats who are support the union versus the Copperheads, which were the peace Democrats. It's a good name. That uh, all they wanted to do was let's let's stop this this shooting at one another and let's figure out something. You know, let's let them secede and have two separate countries. Um, now you've got scallywags. <laughs> now the, the scallywags were the Southern white Republicans. All right, so they were Republicans, but from the South, so they were looked down upon by certain. And then there's also now, after the Civil War, we've got a group that's known as the Carpetbaggers. Now the Carpetbaggers were just opportunists that were. They could have been from the north who are now going south and getting involved with politics and business and everything else. And the reconstruction trying, efforts. So. And the reconstruction efforts. Oh, yeah. And they were trying to – Heard you need was, a carpenter down here. They were seeking their fortune in the reconstruction of the south. So, I mean, if you're starting with from nothing, it's a ground floor opportunist coming in to see what they could do with that. And um, you got uh, former union soldiers – who have now seen the South? Said, it's beautiful. There's all this land out there. We're living in a tenement square in you know Five Points, uh, New York City, right now. Maybe it's time to you know let's see what's outside of Savannah. Right, and you also have a, a faction of uh, former slaves who were then in the Union Army. So now they're Union Army veterans, mm-hmm. and now they're going back back home, if you will, going back down south. And uh, there's. Uh, riots going on in the Memphis riots of 1866. There's New Orleans massacre of 1866 where former Confederates are firing upon former Union black veterans. Uh, just oh, absolutely craziness all over the place. And Mr. Johnson is really not – He's being very soft on former Confederates, but he's feeling like he has to be because I, I do want to get to before we hit this part because what you're saying is extremely important. But let's lay a little groundwork here. Johnson has a three-part plan, LP. All right, number one, bring the states back in ASAP. Now, because of that, in order to bring the states back in, he winds up having to be soft on the Confederates. You're absolutely right. Johnson had argued that they really never left the nation since men like him and others were still holding the federal offices. So, oh, you didn't really leave. I mean. You know, it's like when uh, when uh, there's a divorce, Kahuna, 
if they say that they were legally separated, you know, well, we were separated for a trial, but so you weren't divorced, right? No, no, I'm so, like I found out. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. I found out a girl I was dating for three months was technically still married the entire time. Oh, uh, yeah, that that's was always fun. That yeah. was a weird one. Um, now, uh, number two in this three-part plan is the transition from power. He wants to make sure this is the one thing that Johnson is pretty strict about: the planter class. AKA the 1%. So the planter class, that's the slaveholders. That's the big, that's Candyland from Django Unchained and all that other stuff. Um, I, you literally took the word out of my mouth. <laughs> I, like, I was so disappointed <laughs> that I didn't get to say that. But I'm glad you put that reference in there. I appreciate it. 10 out of 10. <laughs> would listen again. We can put a rewind on this and let Cajonis. No, nah, it's all <laughs> good. The moment's gone. Well, there's going to be other <laughs> pop culture references, I assure you. Uh, Johnson's plebeians, AKA the working man, is who he wants to uh, empower here. He was nervous that the former slaves uh, could – this is the other the side of that coin is that the radical Republicans are like, no, no. The former slaves are going to vote for us because we didn't used to own them. We're the ones who freed them. But Johnson was also nervous that, well, some of the uh, – you know, the master class, if you will, here, the, the, the planters, uh, the former masters of the slaves would be able to sit there and say, well, I mean I have the, I have the ears of these people. I mean they're going to need sharecropping work. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll hire some of my former slaves and all of a sudden they're going to be able to pull the vote that way. So you have this whole new voting block that all of a sudden the shifts in politics are really getting crazy about. Now uh, the final part of his plan was to get the south and the north to come together and agree to elect him because at this time – no president has ever been elected on his own right after assuming the presidency as a VP. So if you're the vice president – because you remember, Lincoln's the first president to be assassinated. And if you were the VP and you get promoted into the office of the presidency due to something happening to the president, no one has ever actually won an election on their own to do that. So now Johnson's – he wants to make history that way. So uh, in his desire to bring the states back to the union quick, uh, very quickly, like you said, Delpy, I want you to come back in here. Yeah. Johnson is forced to allow former Confederates to win seats in Congress. How's that going to go over? Uh, yeah, that was that was a difficult thing. Um, immediately, immediately after uh, becoming president, um, he allows a former Confederate vice president uh, to come in, Andrew Stevens. He appoints governors in southern states and allowed their legislatures to meet. Again, there's no rules yet, so he's deciding as president what the rules are going to be. Um, so these former legislators are coming back and they're dominated by secessionist people that were in the in the Confederate government. And these uh, immediately post-war um, government, states' governments are passing all these black codes, which is basically slavery by another name. That they're uh, penal law, right? In all, all but name continuing steps, and right (laughs) with extra steps, extra legalese to keep what was a slave still a slave. Never mind what the federal servant. No, oh, so I'm a slave. No, no, you're an indentured servant. Remember what we said earlier about um, the fear that the planter class was going to be able to um, control the the freedmen population, because Mm -hmm. uh, well, the idea is that a lot of these black codes would make it so they couldn't get a job doing anything else. So they had to go back to the former masters. So that that's – it's a way of, of making sure that uh, it's changed but not the change that you were hoping for. 50 cents an hour. So. Yeah, and I think uh, I found a, a quote here um, on Johnson that I think really kind of points to his – actual personal views on the whole slavery issue. Johnson also made his race views clear in statements like this one to the Federal Commissioner of Public Building Service. Now, that was part of that whole Freedman's things. Quote, everyone would and must admit that the white race was superior to the black and that while we ought to do our best to bring them up to our present level, that in doing so, we should at the same time raise our own intellectual status so that the relative position between the two races would be the same. So, all right, we're going to free the blacks. We're going to help them out. But we're also going to elevate our own self. So there's still going to be – they're never going to be our equal. They're always going to be – they're always going to be um, substandard. Now, here's the, the funny part. Race. That's considered progressive for the time. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, now, not for nothing here too, I did want to mention there's one name that we did not get a chance to hit and that was that one of the guys getting voted into Congress, which Congress, by the way, refuses to seat these newly elected members of the Congress. Uh, among them 
kahuna is a guy by the name of Alexander Stevens. Now, uh, Andrew Johnson was the vice president to Lincoln, right? Okay. And Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy, right? Mm-hmm. So his VP was Alexander Stevens. So how do you go from being the vice president of the Confederate States of America to now a seated member of Congress in the United States? That it makes, makes you feel like the war was fought for nothing, right? Well, way to piss off all the good people of Maine who sent their sons to die in the field. All right. That was Chamberlain, right? right. Out of the 20th Maine? Yeah. So, yeah, all these people from Maine, the people at Hannibal Hamlin probably could have calmed down. Uh, they're all a little bit pissed off right now, and they pissed off Boston. And the number one thing you don't do in the I'm not I'm, I'm not even a fan of Boston. Okay, I, you don't I, piss off, Boston. but don't piss off Boston. <laughs> that just it's the thing they're gonna they'll, they'll find a way. Okay, um, <laughs> but I live in New Jersey. I'm fine. They will find a way. <laughs> yeah, they're, you don't mess with Boston. That's the thing. You Them don't in mess Texas, with the spirit of Massachusetts well, is the spirit. <laughs> it's uh, as we as we get into in the next topic for our second episode here. Now I do want to finish this one up because we have some more guests coming. We got a big big episode planned for the Halloween stuff, but we got to send this one home properly here. So. Despite uh, Johnson's unable to make pretty much anybody happy during this era of Reconstruction, Congress is pissed at him for letting the rebels in the rank. The South is pissed at him for being a, quote, Yankee sympathizer. And the North hated him for being a Southerner. So he's <laughs> he's not he's not too many friends. Enemies on all sides. Right. So despite all of his tough talk to Mr. Uh, you know, how he's going to sit there. And, oh, well, President Lincoln and me are going to sort this all out. Johnson's considered way too lenient on the South. He also did very little literally almost nothing to help improve the freed slaves' lives. Um, Johnson sought to make several speaking engagements in the North and the South in hopes to gain support for his policies. The tour was a total failure. Yeah, and also, I mean, not only was he not popular, but um, any of the legislation that crossed his desk, he vetoed. Um, John, back in uh, December of 1865, when um, Congress came back into session, they were still without Southern representation. So a lot of these um, moderate Republicans were passing this legislation to help out with civil rights bills and the Freedmen's Bureau. Um, Lyman Trumbull is the big name out of that group. It was civil, the civil rights bill was designed to fight back some of these black codes that some of the southern state legislatures were putting into effect, which was basically slavery by a different name. And the Freedmen's Bureau was a bureau set up to help the, the, freed, um, the freed slaves. Um, he vetoes this, and this absolutely outrages um, Congress now. So you and got the moderate Republican, because Lyman Trumbull is the guy who proposed that legislation for the right. Freedmen's Bureau. Mm-hmm. So you've now pissed off the only people that weren't actively angry at you. Yeah, and now the legislative branch to counteract the president that's no longer, you know, too popular in their mind, um, they overturn it with. Uh, with uh, overriding the veto. So they turned back and they did it again and they did it again and they did it again. Ultimately, Congress turned back the president's rejections of bills a stunning 15 times. I feel like we're at the part of a roller coaster where you're going down, but then you realize, oh, shit, the seatbelts don't work. (laughs) Uh, It's it's almost worse than that because you're approaching the part where you're like under construction. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, God. That's not going to be fixed. I hope that holds. Oh, Um, God. But they turned back. uh, They turned back vetoes that uh, he rejected. Um, 15 times a record to this day, even though Johnson served a shorter term than most presidents. So even for the short term that he was in presidency, they turned back more vetoes than than anybody else till this day. To this day. To this day. Wow. Yeah. That uh, that record was almost threatened by Obama, I think, if I remember, because that was something I had to write for a a political um, science course that I was taking at Brookdale. Was it that was the only guy who was vetoed? Because there was, there's that whole contentious relationship between the executive branch and the legislative branch, especially when they're uh, held by opposing parties. So that's always if it's a Democrat held Congress oh, and a Republican sorry. president, they're going to just bump heads nonstop and vice versa. But um, anyway, uh, during this little tour uh, in which he's pissing absolutely everybody off, he makes a series of baffling moves that includes a speech where he references himself over 200 times. And then fails to call out uh, former Confederates, instead naming them men who were opposed to the Union. Also, when you have Nickelback as your opener, it's not really, gonna, really <laughs> not going to. You might as well have. But imagine that to to downplay the Confederates' role in a war that just killed 
Um, I mean, it was six hundred thousand people. Yeah, brother on brother war here. Uh, Mary Todd Lincoln's entire family is fighting on different sides of the war, and right. uh, so but, yeah, the president just died trying to preserve the union. And you're going to say, well, these are men who were opposed to the union. You know, it's kind of downplaying their shit here. It was there was nobody in the nation that didn't s- suffer directly or indirectly. Um, with the Civil War. I mean, oh, you go to the mattresses, family. everybody stops making money. It's Sopranos 101. That's right. Yeah, Johnson was not a good earner. So, <laughs> well, the, you know uh, how to talk, basically. We got to wrap this one up because I do have guests in the other room now for our second episode here, but uh, I do want to get to the crux of this. This is how wild this story gets. The radical Republicans were very hard for Johnson to shake. His own cabinet was full of radical Republicans. His secretary of war was a guy by the name of Edward Stanton. That's a good regal name, right, Cahoon? Edward Stanton? Stanton. Yeah. And Stanton was also uh, within the Lincoln uh, cabinet. He was. He was a whole, almost all of his cabinet was holdovers from Lincoln. Mm-hmm. So he really didn't get much of his own uh, people in. Because you get to pick your cabinet uh, during the uh, the holdover period. Right. But he was he was made president by the death of Lincoln. So Exactly. <laughs> no opportunity to right. do so here. There's no uh, lame duck presidency or whatever. So anyway, uh, he decides he wants to get rid of uh, the Stanton guy. So in order to shield Stanton, because Stanton, they try to fire him a couple of times. Uh, When I say they, I mean Andrew Johnson tries to fire Stanton a few times. In order to protect and shield Stanton from Johnson, uh, Congress then passes the Tenure of Office Act. Okay. Now, uh, this act, in short, Dad, what's it mean? It's you can't. Can't do what? Uh, the sta- Stanton. Um, well, the Tenure of Office Act is uh, where, if the president wants to remove somebody from their executive branch, it has to be uh, agreed upon by the Senate, which oh, is okay. so constitutionally not too swift. But you, you got to jump through some more hoops than normal. Okay, right. right. Just as uh, Supreme Court justice has to be approved by the Senate. Um, now, the Senate is saying that they have to approve you taking somebody out of office. There's a Sopranos but, reference in there somewhere, but <laughs> I can't find it right now. <laughs> Mr. Johnson uh, really is not – he's a slow learner because uh, it just vetoed bill after bill after bill or overrode his vetoes time and again. And now they uh, enact this thing where he, Johnson wants to get rid of Stanton. And, and put somebody else in. Uh, he's thinking he's going to be able to make Grant take over for 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 Stanton. Uh, that ain't going to happen. Not that Grant was in by any means uh, pro Johnson. He was not. But even pro Johnson was also uh, that was uh, a common way of saying that you were gay back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Are uh, you calling me a holiday? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, Dad. It was a. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting because. Um, this Tenure of Office Act is literally done as a, hey, we, we know that this guy's trying to mess with us. We're going to mess with him right back. Um, this was put into motion after Johnson publicly declared his intention to start firing secretaries in his cabinet who didn't agree with his decisions. Right. I always thought, you ever, you ever celebrate? He's not getting friends anywhere. I mean, there's yeah. nobody in the, in, the, in the house that's a buddy of his. And now even his own cabinet is uh, – not lining well, up with him, so you want to talk about being an unpopular guy? They he, didn't support the union. It's, it's okay. Not a political show. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> um, well, that was more of a Bernie Sanders than anything else you were trying to do. <laughs> Nothing I love more than bad impressions. Oh, uh, I know, right? Johnson attempted to fire Stan and get this Cahoons. He tried to replace him with Ulysses S. Grant, who eventually will become president of the United States. Um, How many years? Well, it, uh, it, it's about to get interesting. Oh shit! Um, yeah, oh, no shit. This move is opposed by Congress, uh, and Grant himself is not a huge fan of uh, President Johnson to begin with. No. And he turns the office back over to Stanton. Actually, Stanton (laughs) and Grant were both against Johnson. He just didn't realize it uh, as far as Grant was concerned. Um, Johnson declares that the Southern Rebellion is over in 1866. Um, That was supposed to end um, – military law, if you will, and go back to local law enforcement. However, Grant, who's in charge of the army, right, he sends out confidential instructions to his commanders in the field that, never mind what Johnson just said, you guys are still in charge with the military law. So, you know, the the president can announce whatever he wants, but in reality, ignore the president 
and continue on with your your actual uh, military law kind of a thing. So um, Johnson gets wind of this too, and then he tries to take Grant out of the picture and send him to Mexico on a uh, on a Sabbatical. diplomatic delegation kind of a thing. In other Spring words, break. just get him out of here, mm-hmm. and that doesn't work because Grant refuses to do that. He says, "You you might be the commander in chief, but." going on a diplomatic mission as a military man, that's not my job. So he just kind of like flatly refuses to do that. And Grant at this time is one of the, the most popular guy in America, at least in the, the North, in yeah. the North yeah. right? In the, the South, they're telling he's you know, He's the great, the great war hero that was able to defeat Bobby Lee and bring about the surrender of the Army of Northern Virginia at Appomattox. I mean, he's, he's big time. Um, plus, I there there might be some political aspirations that Grant is is feeling be, right now could too. Could be so. here. Um, now these talks of impeachment are becoming more and more common, but they come to a head on Feb- uh, February twenty first, eighteen sixty eight. Johnson had finally had enough of Stanton, and President Johnson was aiming to fire him again. This time, instead of replacing him with Grant. He sought to give the position to General Lorenzo Thomas, a move that was met openly with hostility. Stanton literally – all right. Imagine they try to tell you you're no longer needed here, Kahuna. All right. Mike and Ming come in here. They try to fire you and you just start taking all this comic book memorabilia and bar- you know, barricade yourself into the studio here. <laughs> See, you say imagine. I say like – Inevitably, (laughs) like I'm not going without a fight, but like you say, imagine I can't. Well, that's what Stan did. He decides to lock himself in the office and refuses to come out. All right. And these impeachment hearings begin almost immediately. Yeah. Now, just to back that up a little bit, another little tidbit that I came upon with that, that um, uh, Johnson tried to remove Stanton from office while Congress was not in session. So, you know, he he wasn't going to wait for them to approve this. He comes in and you're out. And Congress isn't around right now, so you're out. It's like at work when and I then, clock out before right. uh, I don't go into the office to see right. if there's anything else to do. And it, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then, so Santon then barricades himself in, in the office that, uh, you know, over my, my dead body, you're going to remove me from this office. On February 24th. Now, here's the thing. People don't really understand what impeachment is. A lot of people think like uh, that it just means that, oh, you're no longer president, right? No, no. There's an impeachment process. Right. The impeachment so, process. Yeah. Real quickly. Or the process in, of impeachment. In about quick. 30 seconds or less. Can you give us – we want to wrap up. we got about five minutes left here. OK. Impeachment itself is not removal of office. And the impeachment is – in the United States anyhow, Congress is the only ones that are allowed to impeach. And really what that is is bringing of charges against somebody. So it's kind of like being indicted that – it's not the trial. It's not um, the decision-making process. It's just bringing to, to the forefront what the charges are against you. Correct. Oh, thank you. I got that right. Yeah, absolutely. You read it perfectly. <laughs> no, I didn't read that. That was also, I did read that, but not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm also, reading from my notes worry, here. Even though you may have guests in the other room. I'm not going to clock you for going over time. I never do. Oh, it isn't now. It's, uh, it, if he found out, because... <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a wild day. I'll put it that way. Um, no, uh, I know you're good that way. I do want to wrap up uh, relatively quickly here, though, um, because this is important to know. This is the whole crux of the story here. But the guy's yeah, but that's backstory. only part one of the impeachment process. Exactly. This is what people don't understand. Right. They freak out. They hear impeachment. They're like, he's not president anymore. Right. No, that's not how that works. All right. So calm down. Maybe read a little bit. That's all I'm asking. Keep uh, going. The House of Representatives will start the impeachment process by, by indicting – a, not necessarily the president. It could be any uh, any federal representative. It could be Supreme Court justice. It could be any anything along now, there's those only lines. Two pre- as of right now, as of today's date, there's only two presidents that have ever been impeached, but there's lots of other federal positions right. that have been impeached. The House of Representatives have initiated the impeachment process only 64 times since 1789. So that's only 64. That's a lot of federal people that were really getting away with shit in, in, in that amount of time. Only 19 of those proceedings actually resulted in the House's passing articles of impeachment. And of those, only eight resulted in the removal from the office. 
all of which were federal judges. Exactly. Yep. That's <laughs> okay. Um, we really do function like a country built by so lawyers. So that term don't we? sober as a judge, well, maybe not so much. Um, two presidents have been impeached. Now, once the charges are put forth by the House of Representatives, all right, so there's your charges. Now, the actual trial is handled by the Senate. And when the impeachment trial um, for Mr. Andy Johnson came about, he won, all right? He was abstained or, yeah, he won by one vote. And Again, calling it a win is not really a win. It, calling either. it a win, right? <laughs> when half of your senators wanted you out um, or, you know, believable charges and – to remove the, the sitting, uh, sitting president from the office, many of the ones who voted for him felt that it, it would country would be harmed more by removing the president than it was just a let's just ride out this storm and vote yes. somebody else in down the road. Again, that now Lyman Trumbull being a huge one here. Cause right. Now, the big thing that they were trying to put him on trial for was uh, whether or not these were high crimes or misdemeanors because of his violation of the Tenure of Office Act. So. The president is attempting to usurp a, a, something that the Congress put in place to protect Stanton. So, yeah, so two presidents have been impeached, Andrew Johnson in 1868 and Bill Clinton in 1998. Neither were convicted by the Senate. Mm -hmm. All right. So Johnson won by one vote. Additionally, there were efforts to impeach John Tyler and Richard Nixon, but Nixon resigned before the proceedings began. He so probably would have been. He voted saw the out. handwriting yeah. on the wall and said, no, "I'm out. I'm here. out. Bye." <laughs> it's uh, one of the most fascinating men in American history. Uh, moderate Republicans, like I said, like Lyman Trumbull, had plenty of reason to hold a grudge against Johnson because uh, the, uh, I guess, the bill behind the Freedmen's Bureau was Trumbull's baby. He's like, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, this is going to bring the country together. We're going to do the right thing here. Unfortunately, Trumbull decided that, uh, he, you know, obviously everything got slapped back into his face by Johnson. Trumbull's such a good guy. He was looking, like you said, the big picture. If we take the president out of power over a union, uh, over a nation that's not really truly a union yet, we could be right back into the fields fighting Civil War Part Two. So he did not vote. A lot of the moderate Republicans chose not to vote because of them not voting in the proceedings. Um, Trumbull would later, like I said, state that he felt the removal of Johnson would be uh, – uh, you can't have a president that can't disagree with Congress. That was Trumbull's big thing. Also, the idea that they're going to be in trouble with uh, fighting the next part of the Civil War or whatever. They decide not to vote because uh, they don't vote. The trial ends on May 26th and thanks to the refusal to vote by some of the congressmen, Johnson's presidency is saved due to the need, like you said, Dad, for a two-thirds majority. Johnson avoids impeachment by one vote. Wow. Uh, yeah, not really uh, – not a stellar not a, not a landslide victory for old Andy. No. Now, uh, Johnson continues working as president. Now, imagine that one. Imagine you just barely – Is he reading the writing on the wall yet or is he kind of just like forget about it? It's not there if I ignore it. Imagine reading the writing on the wall and then knowing you still have to hang out. Like imagine that we hold this big meeting and uh, you know it's me, my dad, uh, Mike, and uh, Ming and we all vote you off the island but you have two weeks left. So now we got to see you every day for two weeks. Like, oh boy. So, you know, he had more than two weeks left, but, you know, did he read the writing on the wall? I think he read it and he said, screw it. I'm, I'm still large and in charge here. And he was going to do whatever he could with whatever power he still had left. One of the powers that he held or still held as president was the federal pardon. Um, I, I do want to hit that in a second. Okay. But we got to mention who's going to be the next president here. Johnson would continue working as president until he became succeeded in office by former rival Ulysses S. Grant. Right. Okay. Uh, Grant refused to ride. Get this one. Refused to ride in the presidential carriage with the incumbent en route to his own inauguration, which was a custom. Okay. Right. That's why like uh, the Trumps and the Obamas had tea before and they go to the same church. It's just like a nice tradition with all that stuff. Also, Grant just refused to be in a room with him. Grant's like, this guy's, this guy's cancer over here. I'm not getting this guy's – he almost lost his job. I'm not touching this guy. It's right. a new start, guys, all right? right? I don't want to be tied down by that. There was that hilarious uh, thing they were doing when uh, on SNL when the guy was playing John McCain, kept getting endorsed by George Bush, and he was just like, yeah, um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, great seeing you, George. Move on. Yes. but That's the kiss of death. Yeah. Uh, well, due to the need, uh, like we said here, it's you'd want to stand with the tradition, but Grant refuses to ride in the carriage with him. So – 
Um, Johnson's final pardon. Dad, you want to say what one of his big final pardons was? Well, he had a bunch of them, but uh, he pardoned. Uh, There's a marquee name. Oh, yeah, yeah. He does have a marquee name, but he pardons uh, a lot of a lot of the people. Um, and actually, he had uh, more pardons than uh, at that point combined, overwhelmingly for any of the participants who participated in the rebellion against the union. Or the you get a pardon. You get a pardon. You yeah. look underneath your seat. It's a presidential pardon. pardon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Johnson even pardoned a few of the men that convicted uh, in the conspiracy to kill President Lincoln. Uh, he was really anticipating that a lot of these Southern Democrats who uh, you know, are going to take look upon that as favorable, that once they come back into the Senate and everything else, that maybe uh, maybe they might even run him as a uh, the party nomination for the on the Democratic uh, ticket running against link uh, Grant, running against Grant. Uh, not, not so much. So much. Not, even even the uh, the Southern Democrats, you know, realized that this guy was definitely out. Yeah, out. and he tra- part of the people thought that him pardoning President Jefferson Davis of the Confederacy was going to be a uh, an effort to try to you know. Heal the wounds. Yeah, and then get things going. Look in Right. So, yeah, he even pardons Jefferson Davis, which was the <laughs> yeah, you don't do that. The leader of the guys that seceded from the Union, the president of the Confederacy, Jeff Davis. Yeah, who he uh, stood in that. staunch opposal of his leaving the Union. So it just it back. He literally ruined his own reputation here. He leaves office having been incredibly soft on the South, allowing for the Jim Crow uh, the Jim Crow era to take hold. Um, there's a lot of people that say, well, slavery was just an institution back then. You had to figure out how to get rid of it. The real evil with race shit, it comes kind of after this. Jim Crow is bad news. There's no, there's no way to defend any of that shit. Right. right? Slavery, you can sit there and be like, well, not everybody owns slaves. Not everybody owns this or is it a personal property. Thing. Jim Crow is just like, hey, let's be fucking assholes. Yeah, and even the, the amendments to the Constitution uh, during Reconstruction will, will deal with that slavery issue point 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 for point the 13th the 14th and the 15th amendment all happened or took place during the what we call the reconstruction era true so i mean you have all these um former slaves that are now freedmen but now what are they citizens no not yet not until the 13th amendment do they have the right to vote no not yet not until the 14th amendment Mm -hmm. uh and and so on and the 14th Amendment was probably one of the most uh, um, argued about amendments even to this day with the different things, the different rights that were brought forth by the 14th Amendment led into the whole civil rights movement, the whole uh, pro-life, uh, uh, anti-abortion uh, or abortion, just far-reaching effects um, far beyond just a slavery issue um, with the 14th Amendment. Totally. Now, in uh, summation here too, Johnson uh, does wind up leaving office, um, but he's also one of the – he holds a couple of firsts in American history. Obviously, he's the first president to ever be impeached. Um, he also made a bit of a comeback and is the only president to this day uh, to serve as president and then win a Senate seat. In 1875, he actually wins back into the Senate. He thinks this is my comeback tour, right? He is the only former <laughs> president to serve in the Senate. He dies a few months into his term as a senator. Leaves behind a very difficult legacy. He faced possibly the greatest challenge in American history. But one thing was for sure. He stood resolute in his patriotism and was buried. This is an American, okay? He was soft in the South. He screwed up a lot. But this is pretty badass. Per his wishes during his burial, his body was wrapped in the American flag with a constitution placed underneath his head. America. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Stand up. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to um, hit on the final way out here? LP? Yeah, I just think that the Fourteenth Amendment was so so huge too that that um, that was huge, and it's still to this day, as I said earlier, is um, forming landmark decisions with uh, Brown versus Brown Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954 regarding uh, racial segregation, Roe v. Wade regarding abortion, Bush versus Gore regarding the 2000 presidential election, um, um, the whole uh, same-sex marriage situation, all of that comes back to the 14th Amendment. Quit trying to teach us shit on the way out. Sorry. Man, will you? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't help no, myself. Now I have all these follow-up questions. That's my problem. But 
but <laughs> we are going to keep moving forward this thing here, guys. We're wrapping up now. Thank you so much for your patience with the uh, the two parts of this episode. We got some guests for another. We're doing the first of our Halloween themed episodes coming up next, Cones. Ooh. A couple of spooky things here. Uh, I love doing the show, LP. I love having you on the show. There's nobody else I could do the show with. Uh, yeah, I wish I could say this. That's same. <laughs> it's uh, oh, you need me here. Otherwise, this is the kind of thing that people listen. Yeah, what to. What else? I'd have nothing to do on a Saturday morning. Welcome to Ambient Noise with Larry Burke. But thank you so much to the guys over to Shared Universe Studio, and thank you most importantly to the listeners of the show. Here, we're gonna do a couple of shout outs here in the later shows. But uh, Miss uh, Rachel Veronica, you uh, th- the fact that you share the episodes all the time means a lot to us. Uh, my buddy Meanderthal, that's his name on Twitter. He's our yeah. listener over in South Africa. Awesome guy. He goes, do you have any other listeners in South Africa or just me? And I said, well, you're the most important one. So, <laughs> that's right. And he just writes back, so so just me? That's it? Okay. Um, as always, longtime listeners, Nick Franco, uh, Stu Greenberg. I mean, we just we're, – we're so spoiled – with the people that love this show, okay? It like means a lot People that to love it, love it. I've noticed that. Well, like, we got some cool stuff. We're going to try to take care of anybody who got in on the ground floor here with us. Anybody who's taking care of us, you guys know what to do. If you haven't left us a review already, leave a written review. The five stars are great. That means a lot to us. But the written reviews really help us. It helps promulgate us in the search results. So if you're wait, searching, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. that's a big word. You it better, a, you better it, dumb that down for some of our listeners. It is a big word. That's why my nose is bleeding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he hurt himself but, on uh, that word. Yeah, uh, no, it's uh, it's going to help push us in the search results because if you search Andrew Johnson, okay, or impeachment right now, and uh, this podcast has enough reviews, it'll be one of the first things that pops up. And what we've noticed with the show is people listen to one episode, they listen to at least ten. We get people hooked in pretty early here. So that being said, guys, uh, please check me out. KP Burke sucks at Twitter and Instagram. KP Burke on Facebook. American Loser Podcast on Instagram. We are going to be launching a Twitter very soon. We're also launching a couple other things. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for your support. Right now, all we're going to ask you to do is leave us a review. That's going to change shortly. Okay, we're going to take care of the good people here. But we need the show to keep growing. And uh, that being said, that was Andrew Johnson, American Loser. An American Loser, the day I was born. American loser, the day I was born. An American loser, the day I was born.